In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by music publisher and music industry strategist, Casey Graham. Uh, this is a great episode, man, because Casey and I go back a while now, a few years, and um, he's just doing great things now with independent artists, and we talked about him getting his start, be, being a grad of the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Phoenix, Arizona, and then moved to Atlanta in 2006 to, you know, be a recording engineer and ultimately becoming a producer and, you know, then producing for several artists as well as essentially getting into the licensing game and then pivoting into the music and industry space, education space and teaching independent artists how to uh, make money with his show music, Money Makeover Show. So, and he's just been doing great things with that. And so I just really enjoyed this episode, guys. Hope you guys do too. Podcast this is episode number 73. I've got a very, very special guest with, with me today. Is I got my guy Casey Graham. How you doing, bro? How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. How's it going? Everything going with you? Everything is good, man. Everything is good. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool, 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 man. Like, man, you and I go back quite a while. Uh, it's been several years. Yeah. You know, several years. I think you came to Orlando. Uh, what was it? What event did you come to? It was um, uh, it was uh, well, Gene, Gene, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Culver had an event. Yeah, Gene Culver had an event. His conference, the uh, music placement conference, I think. It was. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you was here, and Eric Campbell was here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, Gene had to done that event. It's been a while since he did that event. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. We had, well, we had connected. I think even before that. So yeah, we connected. Um, how do we? I think we connected through Karen Mason. Through Karen Mason, right? Rest in peace to rest in peace. Rest Karen. in peace to Karen Mason, man. She's she's been gone about a year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, cancer, man. So, but she, what a power! What a power! What a powerhouse she was, man. Yeah, man. I'm still running into people that was connected to her, and I'm like, yeah, oh, like, oh, you know, it's like a. It's kind of like the cast of The Wire. You find out, oh, you was on The Wire? Yeah. 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 You know, it's kind of like that thing, you know? Exactly. I remember um, she actually found me through uh, through Kevin Shine, this event, this, you know, The Wide Attention of America. I don't, I don't know if you know him. Um, yeah. 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 So she had found me through that. And I think she found that I was a, I was a full sale grad. And she is like, oh, you're valedictorian, you're a full sale grad. So, like, she had, she somehow she had found me and she had invited me to the artist launch group. And I think that's how I got into artist launch. That was 2015. I hadn't even gone to Madem yet at that point, I think. Cause she went she went in 2015. I did I didn't go to the to the next year, but um, you know, like I say, man, such a power, just a powerhouse, man. And anybody that knows Karen knows that she was a force to be reckoned with and mm-hmm. And so glad she's in a at least she's in a better place now. She's not hurting, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah cancer's you know, cancer's cancer. But on a lot of note, <laughs> that that's what that's how we connected, man. So that was great, man. I just said have so much respect for what you do. 
as a as a music strategy, music industry strategist, and a, and a, and a publisher. Um, and I would like to ask this question, man. Like, what's your, what's your earliest memories of music? Like, oof, man, I've always been around music. My earliest memories. Of- you mean like music business or just music? Period? Music and music in general. And then we can, yeah, then we'll do we'll some to the business as well. But yeah, just mm-hmm. music. Yeah, I always like to ask that question. I get very interesting responses when I ask my music guests, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> oh, man. My earliest experience with music was um, I was taking piano lessons. I must have been four years old. And this is, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You look back on your behaviors as a younger person and you say, that's really how I am. I'm still that way. Like, I'm the person who doesn't like to stand in the spotlight. I'll stand close to it. You know what I mean? But I don't want to really be all the way in the center. Like, I'll help mm-hmm. someone who's standing in the center. I was taking piano lessons. I must have been four or five years old. Kind of like, you know, the kindergarten thing. That's yeah. my earliest memories of it. And I quit early on because I hated recitals, which would put me in a position of having to memorize a a piece and then play it in front of people. I couldn't do it. I just remember that. I did that too. Yeah, because I think my sister, I was in piano lessons too, and my sister was as well. Mm -hmm. I wasn't very good at piano. I just wasn't very good at piano. For the the younger kids, I remember being in chorus in in, in elementary school. We had to do the the recorder play a little recorded little thing like 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 like, like, a, like a flute type of a little mm-hmm. instrument in, in school. Mm-hmm. Young kids probably don't know nothing about that, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But that's what we had to do back then in the uh in the in the in the you know in the mid to late nineties, you know. Oh. Yeah, everybody <laughs> had one of those, man. Yeah. I have been in so many music programs from then all the way up through high school, man. It's been ridiculous, you know. Yeah, man. So um you you went to so you ended up going to um studying with production and engineering at the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Science in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Are you from there? No, no, I'm you from like, Savannah, Georgia. You went to Savannah, but you went to but you went to school. You okay. Yeah, yeah. All yep. from Savannah to Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, it doesn't even add up. I know yeah. it doesn't add up, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've been to Phoenix, man. This is I've been to Phoenix. I actually, um, in 2018, I went to I went my my friend and colleague is um, it's Alan O'John. She's from Maricopa, Arizona. She's actually from LA, but she's been living. Her and her husband have been living in Arizona for several years, and she actually put this event together called the Maricopa Music Fest. Mm-hmm. And that's my only time going to Arizona. We actually went out there for the music fest, and I was like one of the festival coordinators with her. But that's the one and only time I've been out to to AZ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it out there, man. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if I I love it more more so than the southeast, but yeah, but yeah, it was great. It was great. Got you. So you went to you study. So so you you study music out there. Did you did you stay out there for a little while? You stayed out there. No, I um I ended up uh just doing the program, you know, for episodes mm-hmm. like it's at the time like you're a full cell grad, I'm a crass yeah. grad, you know, yeah. and so when I went, it was always this thing they would call everybody who went to full cell mic droppers. Because oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. And I learned that a lot of people in the industry normally would hire us over them simply because of one thing that they taught us, which was etiquette at the time. And I'm mm. quite sure that that's something that Full Sail added to their engineering program. But I went mm-hmm. for engineering. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just knowing how to operate in a heavy studio session. But yeah. I stayed there for like eight months. That's how long the program was. And then I um I moved back out to Atlanta. So yeah, I yeah. got my start there. Yeah, because with Full Sail, the way Full Sail set up, right? So we're set up like um they have what they call a regional accreditation, right? So what that means is um the state, they don't have to go through the state of Florida to discuss the curriculum. So if they want to check, if they want to take something out, mm-hmm. they can just take it out. So versus so what that means is you can transfer credits in the full sale, you just can't transfer credits out. Right. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of the kids that go to full sale go for recording arts. And you heard you heard you, you think the term recording arts meaning recording artists, but recording arts is a te- their full sale is a technical degree. Right. Has, nothing, has nothing to do with the music business, you know. Right, so, right, right, right. So you know, you got guys like Leslie Brathwaite. Yep. Um, Leslie Brathwaite's a full show grand. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so he's done everybody. Like we most recently, Cardi B, Jack Carlo. You know, he, but this every he done everybody. He's been in the game thirty years, thirty mm-hmm. plus years. So you got him, and you got um, who else? Josh Goodwin. There's so many guys that have come through. Our, um, who is who's out of Atlanta? Um, Phil Tan, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he's a full cell guy. He's a full cell guy as well. There's so many of them that mm-hmm. have that have gone through the program. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, full cell is great, man. I love full cell. I went to the. I was in the business program with us. I went to. I graduated as valedictorian in the entertainment business program, mm-hmm. and the music business program. And the entertainment business program, when I was there, it's about the same degree. The only classes was like, when I was there, you would take like, if you did music business, you would take like concert promotion. Mm-hmm. And if you did entertainment business, you would take like event management. So like, the reason why the reason why I did entertainment business was because, so how they have it broken down is either you have what they do with the, either they what they do is called the accelerator program or the extended program at full sale. So you, that's, that's basically two classes a month versus one class a month. Cause at full sale every month is a new course. That was that how it was in Arizona month by month by month. Yeah, it was uh it was like, um, it was in a six week time frame. That's how they would do it. So yeah, but this was strictly recording arts and they had a little tiny little music business class. Like I still got one of these books behind me from that, mm-hmm. from that, um, that that class yeah. but it was yeah. everything was strictly recording arts that's all it was got you got you yeah so full sale was great man full sale was great yeah. so you get so you get to atlanta so like you're like now this is like the mid 2000s now right 2006 april 2006 i touched yeah. down in atlanta that was right that was right around the time that i kind of started you know uh right, 05 also kind of my it's kind of like my start you know mm-hmm. so around that time Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah, so you touched down in Atlanta. So you at that point, so your goal was to be you just I want to be a producer. You know, you want to no, be no, no, not even because okay, I'm coming from Savannah, Georgia. It's not a country town, but it's a small city. Yeah. And so everybody's mentality is go to college, get a good job. I yeah. figure, yeah, like why don't I do a real cool job? I'll go to school and come to Atlanta and just get a job as a recording engineer. And I think yeah. that a lot of people who go through these programs think that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But that's not what happened. I ended up interning here um, at a studio called Titanium Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I chose a guy named Alvin Spites to inter- uh, intern under. Mm-hmm. This guy is legendary when it comes. I mean, rest in peace to him too. Karen yeah, knew Alvin yeah. too. Like Alvin mm-hmm. was 
It was mm-hmm. Jimmy Douglas. We know Jimmy Douglas yep. is still, still, you know, moving still and shaking. Right. Yep. And Alvin was that Atlanta guy. I'm talking about the face records, everything. Outcast, mm-hmm. Goody Mob, TLC, even Pretty Ricky stuff. Like, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah. On the hotline. He did that record. When I hit on the radio, I just listened to that mix. And I'm like, right. yeah. So I interned under him. You know okay. what I mean? And so it wasn't about producing that didn't come later to like 2008 around the stock market crash. And I was like, studios okay. are closing. I got to do something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's when that kicked in. I was always producing, but that wasn't my first thing. My first goal was to be an engineer and get paid like a lot of money. But I didn't know that. Yeah. You had to work your way in. You yeah. Know? You know, the, the thing about the see, the thing about the music industry, the interns in general, people realize and you talk about not just about your show. Is that we're the only industry that ha- that's we're not regulated, so people don't understand like what it really means to be in the in, in the entertainment business, what it really what what life really looks like, what it really looks like in the mm-hmm. game. Because I think people have this notion of what they think they're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go to school. I'm gonna get a job work for a major record company, and this is gonna mm-hmm. and it's like uh, it don't really work like that. No, nah, it don't, don't, don't really work that way. <laughs> Even in my case, man, having a disability, one of the reasons why I wrote the book was because me having to carve out my own path is because kids, there's not been many people like me in the business that have a disability. There's not opportunities for us. It's the truth of it. The truth mm-hmm. of it is that there isn't many opportunities for people like me, specifically with a disability who want to be an executive in the business. There mm-hmm. just isn't that many opportunities. So and me being the fact that I can't really live in an industry city, mm-hmm. it, I had to carve out my own path. So it had to be unconventional. So I think that's what people got to realize. It doesn't never really look like what you think it's going to look like. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think when you get into the game, you realize, oh, it doesn't really it's not as it's not as glitzing. It's not as much glitz and glam as people think it is. Yeah, and that's what I love. That's what I love about your show. And we'll get to that in a second. But you keep it 1000 with people. You kind of tell people the truth of it yeah. because of what they think it's going to be. And they, you know, and they quickly realize, OK, it's really not that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I just had a young lady who's in my course mention that, man, thank you for this, because I didn't know it was the, this many layers to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we just getting started. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's changing. You know, you, everything, this music industry, like once you figure out something, the thing about our game is once you forget the hang of something, something else now is changing. You have to pick that up. So yeah. that's what always makes it difficult, because when you get the hang of something, especially this content game. You know, mm-hmm. understanding the content game, and I feel how to, and yeah, I feel how to navigate with that. Every time I go to a conference, be like, "Well, I, I wish the music business would go back to the way it was." It's not. It's never. It's never going to be like the way it was. So, you, if content is the name of the game, you might as well get used to it. If you mm-hmm. want to be in this thing professionally, understand, you know, that content is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and and even like, and I think the thing is, we've been there, but it's taken this long for people to really adopt the content uh situation i'm not gonna call it narrative but the situation Mm -hmm. and say okay this is standard i feel like after 2020 it became standard you know what i mean because there were a lot of artists who who still wanted to do things like it was 1997 it's like no we we can't do that we're not in that place anymore can't can't do that can't do that man can't do that so so um you produce you produce songs for artists, we're not so far, just like Key Sweat, 
you know, Keisha Cole, Faith. Well, you, you were more engineering for them, or you did, you did engineering. engineering? See, here's, here's the thing about that, man. I work with a lot of people in the studio. Those two, Keith Sweat, Keisha Cole, Jamie Foxx, yeah. uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot, I had the, I had the skill of producing. So I would be a ghost producer, if you will, producing vocals when the yeah. main producer wasn't around. Even like Shantae Moore was the last major client I had. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, engineering wise, Arrested Development. Shout yep. out to Karen again. That's how I got mm -hmm. that. I, I was mixing records for for them, and I had, I just retired from engineering like this year. <laughs> okay. You know? Oh, so you okay? You just okay? Yeah, yeah, I was only mixing here and there, and and Arrested Development was the only crew I was mixing for. That was it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, very cool. Shout out to them, man. Shout out to Arrested Development. Yeah, those guys doing their thing, man. And you've done some licensing work, you mm -hmm. know, for license songs for BT, DTG mm -hmm. One, you know. So the licensing game is a. I always tell people there's there's three sides of the music business. There's the music industry, there's the music business, and then there's the music. A lot of cats chase the music industry, and I realize you don't really need the music industry to be successful in the music business, as long yeah. as you, as long as you understand the business, the music. Which again, shout out to what you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so that's why I said I love what you're doing because it just education is the missing link, man. It's just the yeah. missing link for so many people. Yeah. Um, so, mm -hmm. so yeah. So you decided to kind of, like I said, pivot into the publishing world. What what made you want to pivot into the publishing world from uh, primarily being in the recording space? You, I mean, you are obviously still in the recording space, right? But you made a conscious choice to to pivot into the publishing world and then started working with Baby Rose. Yeah. Ultimately mm -hmm. was signed to uh Island Universal. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm So 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 what so what was so what do you think was what what made you wanted to kind of go into that space? Um I well I moved well the beginnings of it was the you mentioned the licensing stuff I did with TV One. There was a show called Born Again Virgin on uh, TV one has only had one season had tank mm -hmm. in the cast and some other people I forgot their names but they were in the cast it was of the woman from the game that TV show on BT mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she was in there I uh I was I was in a situation with a production company I didn't really like and I just so happened to be in LA and a friend of mine was like hey um you know we're writing some records for this TV show yeah, I'm down like we, the studios on Sunset. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll come down there. I'm not doing anything with this other company right now. So I get in the car. I go down to the studio. We record the song. And they didn't they we we were uh we were doing the theme song for it. And we thought we almost had it. But the direct not the director, but the 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 uh the creator of the show didn't like theme song. But we ended up with two placements on the show. So I was like, OK, that's cool. In about a short amount of time, maybe two weeks, we got a check for twelve hundred dollars, and I was like, "This is the fastest money I ever got in this business. Like, right. what is this?" Right, right. So, I uh, I got I got on a plane, came back to Atlanta, and I think I did this in the early spring. So by August, the TV show comes on. Yeah, and I'm like, "This is what it is." So yeah. then I really get heavy into the Atlanta music business scene because I wasn't because before I was just an engineer, yeah. I really have to be on a scene like that. Yeah. And I figured if I'm going to get into publishing and I'm going to really do this licensing thing, I need to see what it's about. And then I started going to uh, the NARIP meetings with Tess Taylor. Mm -hmm. And that's where I met Karen. 
Mm. It just so happens I met her there. I was in a pitch meeting and she was doing supervision for something. I think for, I don't know, she was doing a lot of supervision work. Mm -hmm. But um, I played a record and it was one of the first records I cut with Baby Rose. Mm -hmm. Right. And she heard the voice then. And everybody in that room looked at me and was like, what is this? That's right. Right. This is really the first time everybody hears this voice mm. at this point in her career, because prior to that, she'd been doing some things. And so I right. played the song there. This was for I forgot. I forgot the woman's name. She does the music supervision for um, what's the show? Yellowstone on Paramount. Mm, I wouldn't know. Andrea, Andrea Von Forrester. OK, I played, I played music for her. Karen heard it. Karen was like, what are you doing? I need to hear this catalog that you have. And I'm like, great. And we just formed a relationship from there. I would see her every now and then. And that's how I got into publishing because the sync, the syncing led me to it. Oh, right. And then for Rose, as she, you know, moved into a deal, I was like, look, don't sign a publishing deal just yet. Just keep those songs. Cause we, I have a huge back catalog on unreleased material on her. Yeah. So she signed, the deal, and then I started managing the catalog for a company. Mm. That was the that was the first thing, and then mm. from there, I built up things a lot more, a lot more, and I signed the same friend that got me the first placement, and then that became my next client. As I'm study building this business, putting uh, you know cataloging systems in place and mm. whatnot and whatnot, and so that's 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 the publishing journey right there. I got a lot of big things on the horizon, things that I can't really say, but right you know, well, no, I, I know for a fact that that's something that you were were working on for a while because you know that pivots us into what you do with the music makeover, music makeover, music money makeover, and that's actually started on Facebook. When we started doing it on Facebook, that's where I first caught up. Or and you were just kind of dropping knowledge, dropping information. I said, "Oh, this is pretty cool, pretty cool stuff." Mm-hmm. And and focusing on on new independent artists, kind of teaching them the the business side of music because I mm-hmm. think that's so important. A lot of them don't really want to take the time to learn how that works mm-hmm. and learn how to, to 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 generate the revenue, where the revenue comes from, and the, and and how powerful copyrights are. You know, and, and why you should understand how copyrights work. You know, mm-hmm. so, 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 yeah. So, so, what, what made you really want to start the music makeover show, music money makeover show? What was, what was that about? Like, what, would you like this? What I'm, this my next move here. No, no, no. Um, I started the music money makeover show in August of 2019. I'll yeah, give it, you that it, because it, I really it, it was before the pandemic, right? Right before the pandemic, so it wasn't like a pandemic type of thing. It was just right before it, and um. Our, our, our artist that I was managing, by you know, she went by the name of Michael Godiva at the time. Now her name is Amor Loren. And she was really the only artist that I managed, even though I did a lot of management services for a lot of different artists along their career paths. Um, she was sitting uh, actually in this room that you see right here. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was like, why don't you talk about what you talk about in private with all of us online? I was like, yeah, that that would probably be cool. I'll try it. It didn't take me long to start. I just got a, I got, had an iPhone 5S and mm-hmm. I got started. You know what I mean? Because ultimately I was already doing this mm-hmm. and my passion was to help people 
get the information they need to get the money because I felt like there was a lot of money I was missing from depending on other people to do my business for me. Yeah. So I was like, let me help people get to the bottom of where their money is mm-hmm. and I'll do it in a show. And that's where it came from. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, especially with unclaimed royalties and understanding that and understand how to where to get the money from, you know, even in side exchange, you know, so many cats don't understand what side exchange really is and how to get the money from there. And and and, and just just seeing a couple of those dollars come in is a team people keep going on the journey and stop it. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so important when you can help somebody find a couple hundred dollars here, a couple thousand dollars here mm-hmm. and keep the journey, keep their journey moving along the way, man. So I really, really respect what you're doing with that and just turn that into an amazing thing, what you're doing and building the building organically and, and, and really, really break it. There's a lot of things that I have no clue what the hell you're talking about. And like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm learning, you know, and I, and I consider myself to know a lot about this game, but I think all of us have our niches that we talk about. Like for me, I, I preach on core audience. That's all I talk about. That's what my brand is built around, mm-hmm. how to build a core. Cause I feel like that's what independent artists need to focus on. Like trying to get a deal, trying to get a record deal, trying to, you know, become famous. This is like, that ain't the wave to me. Everybody's mm-hmm. not, everybody's not, unfortunately, everybody's not built to be superstars. Mm-hmm. Everybody's really, most people ain't built to be superstars. You just, yeah. they're just not. We're, it's not natural for us as human beings to be famous. It's not a natural thing. I think people automatically equate fame with success, and it's really right. not the same thing, right? So everybody thinks they want to be the understanding. Do you really want Beyonce's life? Right. Are you, do you have Beyonce's work ethic? Are you prepared to go to the garden and do and perform in front of twenty thousand people? Like that's not normal. You know what I mean? Most people aren't built like that. Most people can't. (laughs) You know, I mean, some people are going to be okay with just doing small, medium, B, C level, sometimes D level venues. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think people go, oh my gosh, you're shitting on my. It ain't about that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I love about your show. You you let people know, like, it's okay to be that artist that might only make a couple, might only make $50,000 a year. Mm hmm. That's okay. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with an artist. I think people just have this notion of of what success looks like. And I think that's the first thing what we do as coaches is to it's mindset shift. Mm-hmm. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? Like Yeah, I mean perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, putting things in perspective, going off of that word and shifting your mind from not just focusing on the being in the center of the spotlight, like I was talking about earlier, is mm. is a bit of a way for you to kind of manage your expectations. This is something I learned early in the business from other people. You got to mm. manage the expectations of people, especially if you're managing them or you're coaching them through, because a lot of people see only what they can see on the surface. And what's on the surface is the biggest thing that's out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind, It's hard to see. The person who makes, you know, $200,000 a year playing weddings. Yeah. It's hard to see that because they're not in the limelight. So you're going to see what's in the limelight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to manage your expectations yourself personally to say, like you said, it's okay if I don't get to that level. I'm going to shoot for it. 
But it's okay if I have to pivot and let's say, in my case, you know, move from being a producer and an engineer to an educator. Yeah. It's probably, all right. Yeah, that probably wasn't what you intended to do, especially, you know, when it, when it, it worked out for you. And, yeah. and the knowledge in me and what you're doing is, is special, man. And I just think that um, understanding there's levels to success. I was quick to basketball, right? Everybody wants to make a lot of college players uh, want to make. Let's take women's basketball right now. At the time of this recording, the, the NCAA Women's Championship is probably the best version we've ever had in the history of the tournament. And mm -hmm. so now these girls, speaking of Savannah, Georgia, Flaw J. Johnson, where you mm -hmm. from your hometown, mm -hmm. these girls are making so much money that they don't really need to think about the WNBA now. Mm hmm. These girls fought like, why would they be like, yo, keep me in school? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I need to make, she signed to Rock Nation. She had a deal with Rock Nation on the basketball side and the, and the music side. She's the only mm -hmm. real artist to ever do this, be actively as a, as a Division One athlete and um, a recording artist at the same time and making bank. You know, doing <laughs> taking care of her family as a freshman, like this, making you know five hundred thousand dollars a year in NIL deals. So I think, I think that it just looks different, man. I think it looks different. I think success looks different, and that's what we have to realize where the where the game is going. And and, and you know, they're thinking about. I don't. Hopefully, they don't do this. Is is US is is getting rid of TikTok, which which would really impact a lot of music creators of how to make a living, a lot of content creators in general of how to make a living. So I just think that this game is just so, it, it, it's levels to it, but everybody had a chance to do what they do what they love to do. And and not everybody has the same skill set. I don't yeah. have the same skill set that you have. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm -hmm. But there's room, we're both educators, we're both coaches, and there's space for you to do what you do and for me to do mm -hmm. what I do. And I think that's the mm -hmm. most beautiful thing about what it is that we're doing in the space today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Like you like you just have to artists just have to, have to really understand all I'm you know, I say artists, but I like to say creatives. I throw that word yeah, in a lot. Me too. I don't use the term recording artist. To me, recording artist, this is me personally, recording artist is an old industry term. I don't ever use that. I, I say the word creative. I just think recording artist is different now because you're a content creator that focuses on music. I yeah. think that's where I think that's where the change that's that's where the major shift has been. So I don't even really use the term recording artist because it's an old industry term to me. Yeah. That's just me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's just it's just you have to artists now create the beats, they create their artwork, they sing the songs, they record the songs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you're going to find an artist that doesn't do anything now. You yeah. Know? yeah. Other than just record. You're right. You know, it's very rare that you're going to find that. So. You know, I just I just try to get people to just manage their expectations on things. Mm. And in that way, you can build a, a winning strategy forward, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I you know, for, for you, you know, you focus on the, the core following. For me, yeah. I focus on level one. Like we talked we talked a while ago. You know, I, I'm, I'm at the ground floor with this thing. Yep. You know, I, I do what I do because simply because um early, early on on my show, I was doing a series on all you need to know about the music business. And I was I going remember. chapter by chapter. And I was like, you know, this book 
after you get past, I think, chapter two or three, yeah. he, he switches the, the you know, what he wants you to do right early on. Now, later in the book, he talks about deal points and things like that to help you out. But mm-hmm. early in the book, he switches his narrative from, OK, you can do this yourself to go hire some staff to get this done, get you a manager, get you a lawyer, get all this before he even said, you know, put this together, mm-hmm. do this. And I'm like, there's so many steps for you to get your business together before you even hit the manager. Yeah. Because I was yeah. like, this is leading artists in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel, you know, no disrespect to Donald Passman, but I feel they call it the music industry Bible because yeah. it collects dust just like everybody else's Bible. I don't know anybody. No, that, that's real talk. That's real talk. In fact, they probably should be reading and I haven't read either one, but what makes more sense is Ari Hurston's book, How to Make It in the New Music Business. I think that old, that older book, like I said, it's very technical, but a lot of those people are not going to be on major label deals, and that's mm-hmm. just not going to be a world for them. So they're studying and learning topics and learning to do that they'll never, ever, ever probably ever use. No, oh. there's too many. There's, there's my mentor Barry Coffin told me the music supervisor, but he said, "Look, bro." There's 8 million people across the world that consider themselves professional, independent artists. Mm-hmm. Less than 10,000 of them are signed to a major deal. Less than 10,000 people mm-hmm. out of 8 million people, right? Less than mm-hmm. 10,000 are signed to some either either a major deal or, some, or a subsidiary of some kind of deal. Mm-hmm. That, so that's like numbers, are, the numbers are really, really low for mm-hmm. people who's going to be signed to a kind of, kind of even, even an independent, even an indie label. Mm-hmm. So while we Focusing the energy on, they need to be signed in record deals. They need to be deal points. Right. That's not going to be the case for majority of the people in the space today. Most exactly. of them are going to be independent artists, DIYs, whatever you want to call it, or mm-hmm. artists, and they're mm-hmm. they're going to have they're going to have probably audiences that are are smaller, you know, yeah. than then more medium sized to bigger level acts. So. So where you focus your energy case is exactly where it needs to be, because that's where the majority of people are. And I like to say, you and I serve the 99%. Everybody's trying to, but everybody's trying to get to the 1%. Mm-hmm. I find that everybody wants to be in the 1%, man. Well, who, mm-hmm. what about the other 99%? Yeah. You're serving the 99%, and that's why you're, that's why you're, you're successful at what you're doing, because you see that there's a need for it. Somebody has to come and serve those people, because they because those are the people that's going to, that need the information. Everybody's not going to, even as a producer, songwriter, you're not going to, you're not going to, a lot of times, produce for big, for, for big acts, you know, because yeah. when you network in, when you network in this game, you don't network up, you network across. Mm-hmm. Nobody that when, when you try to network up, you don't. It's hard to get in those circles. You're not getting to Rihanna. You're not getting mm-hmm. to these big artists. They have their circle already. You're not getting in there. You ain't getting in there. You know what I mean? So you, they you have better. to see you to as a as equal value, equal or more value to to their circle for you to get in there. Exactly. So you're better off finding your little team, your little people, and help them win. We're trying to get to the to to the bigger um, acts, so to say. Put a put a hit on them. And, mm-hmm. I, and you watch your life change where it's trying to go to the person that already has the hits, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Oh, man. This has been so fun, man. Um, before we get out of here, um, man, what are you working on, man? What are you, what are you, what are you working on? What do you have going on? How can the people connect to you? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, my main 
my main social media channel is YouTube, um, the Music Money Makeover Show. If you just type in Music Money Makeover, you will find me, I guarantee you. The website is musicmoneymakeover.com. Uh, Instagram and TikTok is moving a little slow. I ain't going to lie to you um, because I make long form content in a, yeah. a kind of like a classroom setting. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. But it's coming back to those platforms soon. But everything online is Music Money Makeover. You can find me everywhere there. Uh, and then, of course, I just dropped a course called the 60 Day Record Label. The 60 Day Record Label is a plat is a framework designed to help you get your record label started in 60 days. And really, it's more than a framework. It's literally step by step questions yeah. for you to get the record label set and the publishing company set up and everything together. Bank account, LLC, all that stuff in 60 days flat. I've tested the system for three years before I launched it in April is always my launch month. Yeah. April of 20, what was it? April of 2022 is when I launched the original version. And I've yeah. now built a course to it. Uh, and I launched it back in March. So people are already in there. They're enjoying it. They're really seeing that this is possible to own their careers yeah. and own and, and really have all the processes set up. And can't imagine some of the people that hit me requesting my services. And it's blowing my mind too. So you know. Hey man, but what you're doing, and I'm not surprised, Casey, man, because like I said, I, I'm I'm a big fan, big supporter of what you're doing, and I just think it's what you're doing is special, man. And and you're giving away the knowledge. So I was telling you this before we get out. I always say, look, the the, the knowledge, the, the the information is free. You know what people pay for is the execution, mm -hmm. and that and that's what that's what you do. That's what we like. Mm -hmm. Is it's the execution. If they want the knowledge, they can get it. They don't need you for the knowledge. The knowledge is out there. Yeah, but what they pay for is is your years of experience, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how to put things together. That's where the value exchange takes place. That's mm -hmm. that's the value, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it is is how to so let me learn from Casey's experience and what, or Darrell's experience and what I teach. Uh, and look, we're not promising anybody success. We can't do that. But we can but we can promise you that we're gonna give you the tools to be successful. That's what we go. Can, that's what we can promise you. Nobody, yeah. we can't promise anybody success because we just don't know how hard you're willing to work. You mm -hmm. know. So that's that, man. But guys, it's been a great episode. Until next time, I'm out of here. This is your host, Darrell Peart of the Encourage Inspire Podcast. And talk to you guys later. Peace.